Hello all, and welcome to the Plexus Podcast Series. We hope you enjoy our podcast today with our very own Brad Johnson, as he sits down with Dr. Stephen Healy, Provost Emeritus of the University of Bridgeport, out there in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Dr. Healy shares his experience as interim president of the last year, the wonderful partnership with Goodwin University as they closed the transaction on May 21st, and where Danielle Watkins was named president of UB after this podcast was recorded. From there, he shares the growth of online learning, his preference of teaching students, his experience as provost versus president, and his own future at UB. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe and share. As interim president, maybe you can flash back about six months to today and, and talk a little bit about, you know, the, a couple of things that really have changed. Yeah, sure. But, you know, you know it was about a year ago I, I, I stepped into the interim role. Uh, prior president uh, left for family reasons. She, she did also have an opportunity as president elsewhere. She had laid a lot of groundwork for change. Uh, at that time, the board asked me to step in to the interim role, and I was uh, happy to do it. I felt, felt it was really important. Uh, the institution at the time was in some distress uh, related to a decline in international enrollment that, that went back a few years, uh, frankly. And it was coupled just at that time with the emergence of you know, what we're all well aware of now, which is COVID. Uh, no one at the time knew what it would be doing to us over that course of time. So how has my day changed? Uh, you know, initially it changed as it changed for everybody by doing the complete job online. Uh, I literally was able to convene a few in-person meetings as the new president before we all had to go off to our homes and begin working together on Zoom. And only relatively recently have I uh, had most of the senior staff return to campus and still quite frequently much of my day is working with them by way of Zoom or phone or email rather than in person. And then substantively how it's changed. Uh, uh, Prior to this, I was the provost and then before that I was other things here at the university. And I've been here since 1998. But the change between those roles is the provost primarily is focusing on the academic dimension, not exclusively because it is a comprehensive role and that's the position number two here, but it does focus on work with the deans and concern for academic quality and accreditation. The president's role uh, supervises that and gives it over to the provost as a responsibility and then works with all the vice presidents, whether facilities or development, communication. Uh, you know, the role has shifted a, a good bit. So University of Bridgeport is going through an acquisition, is that right? Y- yes, we are. Um, and uh, th- we are not yet fully able to announce it because these things have their own logic and time frame. It is determined by legislation, by state law, by accreditation agencies, uh, by, by federal um, uh, decisions. But everything seems aligned 
to a transaction being finalized inside the month of May. So this is with Goodwin University, who will be, as it were, I guess, like the parent company. And even though both entities are nonprofit, this language kind of makes sense that way, that the University of Bridgeport will be named after this transaction, the University of Bridgeport, and it will be a subsidiary of Goodwin University. And the, the new University of Bridgeport, new is just a way of indicating that it'll be new, but the title will be University of Bridgeport. It will have its own board of trustees, its own president, its own provost, its own programs, and its own separate regional accreditation. And all of the professional accreditations, uh, and we have many of those in business and healthcare, chiropractic, physician assistant, design, a, a range of areas um, needed to be separately, uh, separate, we needed to work separately with those accrediting agencies to ensure this trans, transition was uh, something that passed muster with them. All that work is in play and the transaction looks like it will finalize soon. That's excellent. No, that, that's very good news. And talk to me a little bit about uh, online. I mean, especially with the pandemic and institutions at some point having to go virtual, um, how has online really uh, allowed University of Bridgeport to transition, whether it be positive or, or negative? I know you have a number of programs. So can you talk a little bit about online program expansion and sustainability? Yeah, sure. Well, well, first, you know, I'm, I'm a professor. I've been a professor here for a long time, and I have a, an appointment that's permanent, if you follow me, <laughs> a tenured appointment. Um, and I'm a hard grader. Uh, so, so uh, y you know, the listeners will indulge us when I say, I'm going to give us an A <laughs> in, in the work that we did to go online uh, in the time frame that we did to a to address ourselves to COVID-19, what it really revealed to me, and it, it frankly surprised me how successful it was, that there was a leadership team doing it, Provost Manuel M., uh, Vice President for Facilities, Rob Schmidt here, uh, Associate Provost Sarah Conley. I mean, this was a team working with our deans uh, to give the faculty who did it all uh, the, the wherewithal to do. But it was also building on a successful foundation of online programming. UB had the first fully online program, our nutrition program, in the state of Connecticut. And so that was in 1997. I mean, it was like, you know, early into all of this. And that program has been building there. We've added MBA program, nursing program, completion program, degree completion programs, we have a good footprint of online programs and the, the technologies, the teaching learning support was all there and in play. And in addition to that, we had been encouraging all of our faculty to use our Canvas shells, even if they were teaching on ground, to use those for student support in between classes because you get learning continuity. And essentially what these various commitments did is give us a strong foundation to when we needed to say in what month it was, April or whatever month it was, seemed like five years ago, frankly, hey, we're going 100% <laughs> online to, to deliver these classes 
uh, there, there were not many hiccups. I mean, I can't say it was perfect uh, because nothing on that scale and with that time frame is going to be perfect. But it was well done, and the student learning outcomes are are equally good, if 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 not better. I, I mean, in some ways, when you use these uh, learning technologies and and um, mediated support in that way, some of the assessment material you want is inherently captured in the learning strategies that are used and so it gives you a foundation for that so i feel really good about it and and again i'm a hard grader but this this was extraordinary work of that team and the faculty did all of it as it was supported by that administrative team and the students uh adjusted themselves to it faculty and students supported by administration and so did you teach online as well as on campus you know, dur dur me as a as a professor, you're asking. I, yeah. I've done both. Uh, most of my teaching uh, was done, you know, in the mid '90s and in uh, 2003, four, five is when I joined the administration. I've been doing considerably less teaching since then. Uh, I've taught a few classes online, uh, and I, I forget exactly the years as were. Uh, recently, I've taught a few courses. Those have been in person on campus. So what, what do you like to teach better on campus, online? And what are the elements that you like the best out of each? You know, uh, I, I think I like them both equally well as a teacher. Uh, the, the online gives, in, in one way, the ability to get involvement from everybody in a way that would be very difficult in class. If, if I were in a class and, and, and you know, going around the circle or, or talking to the students and, you know, using some Socratic strategy, it, it's a, in that setting, uh, human nature is that some people are a little more reticent, some people are more talkative, um, some students process more slowly, they need a bit more time. And so they're not ready. They may have the best insight, but it occurs to them after classes, um, you know, over that day. And you don't necessarily return to it the next class. Online, a lot of those adjustments are made by the mediated exchange. And you can get, in my experience, a higher level of participation. You still will get a differential participation <laughs> because people have less time or they're less interested in the subject or whatever it is. And um, so it's, it's going to have that, but in a way then you can, you can, you can goad people to, to, to contribute in a way that in class it would seem like hectoring them. Now there are many other differences. In, in some ways um, it's a little harder to read the room when you're looking at um, you know, contributions on a chat channel or even if it's a, a video teaching, it's a little different. Uh, you know, the emotions are a little harder to, to take in. And, and a good part of teaching, you know, I'm, I'm a religionist. I teach religion and society, not, not doctrine stuff, you know, but how do, how do the religions inform things like, um, you know, peace and war or the emergence of democracy? But when you start pushing people on these ideas uh, in their background, you know, they may have very fundamental commitments that get disturbed 
um, by, by the teaching moment. You need to be able to be sensitive to that. And so in-person teaching has that as an advantage. And there are many advantages for both. I think what both require is total, complete, maniacal obsession with the subject. And a person who's a professor, that's what they want to do. I mean, <laughs> that's what I want to do. When I'm professing, I don't have to, like, you know, um, listen to rock music or something, you, you know, before the class to get ready and charged up. I'm ready. Uh, the anxiety of the moment to go and talk to 25 or 50 people, um, you have to have something to say. And, uh, you know, the energy just flows through it like a machine. And, and that, to me, is what it's about. And professors are the luckiest people on earth because they get to do something they love. They get to work with students, help them get better um, at, at that subject and in, in more general terms. So both modes share that. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, what, what's the big difference? And you talked a little bit about this, but what's the big difference in transition from being a provost and then stepping in as president, maybe just take a day-to-day -day snapshot of how, what, how did that differ from the day you went to, from provost and now you're the interim president? Yeah, well, both roles, you know, uh, I will say share a good bit. They're, they're both very senior positions. The, the email is super busy. Traffic is super busy. Uh, the focus points would be different. The, the provost gets things about policy or grades, or maybe the occasional complaint or concern from a student uh, that needs to be handled directly and quickly and with care to all. You have to find a way to um, honor the faculty prerogative, but also have processes that uh, make sure you lead for change, uh, develop curricula and stuff like that. President, uh, equally busy. Uh, it's a little hard for me to totally evaluate um, like office traffic because that's, you know, in my entire time, it's been different because it's been by way of uh, non-physical meetings but you may be dealing with a member of the press on some concern, or you may be working with a facilities concern, making sure that uh, anything of uh, legal bearing gets appropriate attention, uh, ranging for cabinet meetings, getting a high level of collaboration between your various cabinet officers. During, during my time as president here, we've been very deliberate to take steps to get better at diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, there are a lot of institutions taking these steps just now. And uh, there, the thing to say is that these are steps that should have been taken a long time ago, and so they need to be taken now. Uh, and as we were taking steps, uh, as I was working with Diane Charles, who is a person working for me on that, She's Title IX officer here as well, but she's special assistant to the president to lead this initiative. We talked about what it would be like to talk to this community as, as we're engaging in this transaction, and we, ha we are all out to produce documents in support of this transaction and make decisions that would support it. And so people may wonder why we're also working on diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, why not just wait? 
And the reason why not to wait is, as I said to her and as said to other people, and she has said in her own terms to other people, if there's a light in a hallway that is burned out and somebody's going to trip in the hallway, you don't wait till the transaction is complete. You put the light in. And diversity, equity, and inclusion is like that. We want to bring enlightenment to our circumstance. We want to get better at it. We want to give momentum to the new University of Bridgeport to keep getting better at this. So it's a big deal. I mean, that, that sort of stuff and, and related things around that has been, you know, part of what I have worked on and, and leaned into as president. Another big part of my time is related to the transaction. It's time spent with um, Goodwin University staff figuring out decisions that would be consistent with a transition or a transaction. And under the idea that University of Bridgeport with me as chief executive officer may not surrender our authority. We have, we are the ones in charge and we are the ones running the university. Our board of trustees is the fiduciaries of our moment, but we also want to do it in a way that is consistent with this aspiration for transaction and change. And so it requires, you know, a lot of conversation, a lot of listening and talking and uh, occasional shouting, you know, but all, all in the all, all to support the moment and the momentum that we're building. Well, I I, I love that uh, the discussion around acting now. You know, I think you know I think with the pandemic in particular, um, obviously a lot of challenges that were brought forth because of the pandemic. But I do think you touched upon something that is really um, I think a positive in that a lot of institutions in many instances, we're forced to act and act quickly in a number of areas. And I think in a number of areas that will remain, you know, even when students come back to campus, et cetera. So I, I think that's great. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the future. Um, you know, when the transaction is completed, um, where, where do you see yourself? Well, you know, it's a little bit of an open question. Uh, I've been asked that uh, by friends and, and foes, I guess, you know, what is next for you? My answer, and it's meant totally and completely earnestly, I I'm focused on my position right now. I'm 100% all in on helping this transaction uh, move forward with dispatch uh, practically every day. Uh, if not every day, five days of the seven a week, I talk to the board chair, Robert Burcham, uh, and, and related people supporting me and making decisions appropriate. So uh, what, I, what, I can, what I can tell you is there will be a new president. Uh, I can't get in front of that. I, I, I don't know who it will be because it will need to be named by the newly constituted board of trustees. But I can share this with you. I'm totally optimistic about what's happening for the University of Bridgeport. This is a huge moment for the city. Um, the mayor here, uh, Joseph Gannam, is a, uh, a member of our board of trustees, uh, ex officio, but real, real member of our board of trustees. He's, he's a graduate of the University of Bridgeport. He's an amazing ally to have. 
University of Bridgeport uh, is essential to Bridgeport as a city. Um, and so we were all working together to make sure there was continuity. I'm so happy with what's happening. I'm so optimistic. Goodwin will bring an, a new leadership vision as it's injected into the new University of Bridgeport. But the missions of our two institutions are so consistent. It's focused on career development, uh, actively helping students, frequently first-generation, underserved minority students, uh, a range of first-generation to get their academic and professional legs built up so that they can get careers and move forward. Excellent. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so you had mentioned five out of seven days, and I, I can only imagine, you know, there's many weeks where it's a seven-day job. It is. Uh, a lot of work. But talk to me just briefly about, you know, just personal time, family, and what do you do on those two days or maybe one day um, <laughs> that you have some time to, to yourself? What, what are some fun activities that you that you do? You know, I live at a bit of distance from, from the campus, and, and it's by design. Uh, when I'm driving down, I, I engage in um, reflect about what I will do. I'm preparing to plan each, each day. And, and usually when I get in, I ask my assistant, make sure I don't meet somebody when I'm walking in because I need a moment to write stuff down. Uh, I plan the day that way. Then I have the day. And then I have the drive home. And usually I try to go to a different channel. I, I try to... Um, put that part of the day on hold uh, and I'll listen to uh, talk radio or sports radio or, or something, or sometimes I'll keep silent and, and I'll just give myself some detachment exercise, right? Uh, a little bit of reflective distance. When I get home, uh, I'm the family cook and I love to cook. I find it so relaxing. Uh, and, and my kids are, you know, uh, at the house, 12 and 17, I have some, some older kids, you know, off conquering the world and, 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 and my wife, you know, each of us might have a slightly different thing we want for supper. So I'm a little bit of a line cook. I'll throw stuff together that, that hits a range of channels. Uh, then after that, you know, hang out, we have a dog, we'll be in the living room. I might take in a little bit of news, um, depending on what's on with sports. I may, I may tune into football or, or, or some baseball or some other stuff, may take my dog for a walk. You know, on the weekends, it's a little more active, action-oriented with exercise and, and things like that. Frequently at night, after, after other things have settled down, I get back on email for a couple hours uh, and make sure I haven't missed something or, or failed in a commitment to somebody. Um, and I frankly don't find it hard. I mean, uh, sometimes decisions are consequential and they need to be done with care. Um, but when some, some people would think of, you know, a work life that, that may go into the seventh day somewhat frequently and may go into the evening hours, uh, frequently, if, if not every day, they, they may think, oh, that's, that's terrible. I find it's the opposite. I love higher education. I mean, if there's another job on this planet where you get to put your personal and professional aspirations to bear, producing change that affects 
people, students, their families, communities, where uh, what they're learning is involved in producing solutions that range from healthcare to engineering to education, business solutions, right? I don't know what else that would be. I'm in the right place for myself. I know that. It, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, Wu Wei, you know, this Taoist idea. It's effortless action. It's, it's not heavy. It's not, I mean, some moments are heavy. I, I, I don't want to sound so high flown that it's like I'm just coasting along. I, I, I'm not. There are some days where you feel weary or tired because of the consequence and the decision. Fatigue is a real thing. <laughs> you know, try not to have decision fatigue before 10 a.m. Uh, sometimes you just might. But the, un, the, the, the foundation of it is really empowering. Uh, and you take power from it when you're doing it. It's not, it. it's not enervating. It's the opposite. Yeah. E- effortless action. I love it. And to your point, that comes from loving, loving what you do. That's it. No, oh, that's excellent. Well, Hey, Dr. Healy, I, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being a part of uh Plexus podcast. Um, and, uh, that'll wrap. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode with the University of Bridgeport in Connecticut. You can find us on these social media channels on Instagram at Plexusgram, that's P-L-E-X-U-S-S Gram, on Twitter at Plexus Updates, P-L-E-X-U-S-S Updates, on YouTube at Plexus Social Media. We can also be found on Facebook at Plexus, P-L-E-X-U-S-S. Thank you again, and we hope you can join us on our next episode. Please remember to subscribe and share within your own network.